Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all people. Titus 3, verses 1 and 2. Hi, this is Ron, and I'll be your guide on our journey as we finish up Titus chapter 3. On verse 15, we've been praying through the New Testament letters here in season 4, and we've looked at several of them. Titus is the last of this particular series or season, and on the last two episodes, we've already looked at the first two chapters of Titus. Today, we're going to consider the last 15 verses, Titus chapter 3. And I just read a few verses from it. These words really take me back a ways. 12, 13 years ago, I remember reading these verses and memorizing them, repeating them almost nightly to my younger son as a memory verse, just wanting him to write them on his heart and giving them to him as my own blessing and also as a focal verse for him to kind of stake his life on, to to live his life around these words. These were good words. This is a good sentiment. This is powerful truth. And at the same time, I did not have the fuller context of what Paul is telling Titus throughout this letter, the whole letter, and um, maybe that's just a, something for me to pass along to you. I think we can really benefit from God's Word, different parts of God's Word, at different times and stages in our life. It's fine to focus on uh, words as memory verses, to memorize and, and commit them to our heart and repeat them. And still, there's going to be room for us over the years to grow deeper into the truth, deeper into a realization, a fuller understanding of what these words mean for us and what they meant in their original context as well. And so when we talk on verse 15 about meditating on God's Word. That's not just something that we do for a short time for a particular verse and then we move on to other things. It's something we can continue to do throughout our lives and go deeper into God's Word and let it really penetrate to our very core and also let it go deeper and be uh, coming out of our pores, if you will, you know, just oozing out into the rest of our life. It should be in our speech, in our actions, and it should just be very evident that we are filled with God's words and God's spirit, and we are exhibiting what God has already shown us. And that's really what I hope you get from the short time that we're going to spend together looking at Titus 3. Let me go ahead and read these few verses, the whole chapter, 15 verses of Titus 3 for you. And I just ask you to listen to these words. Remind them to submit to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient and be ready for every good work. They should slander no one and avoid quarreling or being contentious. Instead, be gentle, show real humility toward all. For we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving different lusts and pleasures, pursuing malice and envy, hated and hating one another. But then God, our Savior, showed kindness 
and revealed his love for mankind, not because of righteous works that we did ourselves, but due to his mercy. He saved us through the Holy Spirit, washing us with a rebirth and renewal, and he poured his spirit upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Being justified by his grace, we are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, this is a faithful saying. I want you to speak about these things confidently so that those who have believed God may be careful to engage in doing good. These are the things that are good and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, fights, and disputes about the law, for they are useless and unprofitable. Avoid a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted and is sinning. They stand self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to winter there. Do all you can to send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way, and that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they won't be unproductive. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be with you all. That's how Paul ends this short letter to Titus, his co-worker that he had left in Crete to wrap up some affairs. And there's some really interesting things that we gain from those last few verses. After Titus appoints elders in the churches and leaves the local church communities or bodies in a better position than he found them with good leadership in place, Paul asked him to come along and meet him up in Nicopolis, which is a city on the western coast of Greece. That's where Paul was deciding to spend his winter, and he wanted Titus to be there with him. And he was sending relief on the way. He was sending people to carry on the work in Crete, not to leave these Christians alone or at the mercy of these teachers that were moving and active among them and misleading them, in fact. But Paul says, I'm going to send Artemis or Tychicus to you. It's going to be a tag team. Once they come, then you come meet me at Nicopolis. And in the meantime, I also know about a couple of other guys, Apollos and Zenos, who are coming through Crete on their journeys. Do all you can to help them and supply what they need so that they can carry on the work that they're doing. We don't know where they were going or what their mission was, but Paul asked Titus, do what you can to help them. And the implication that I get is he's wanting the Cretans, the the believers on Crete, to actually be generous, to, to give of their means, of their money or their food or clothing or, you know, things that they could share with Apollos and Zenos and give to them. And then the last thing that he has to say that drives that home is our people must learn to do good by meeting the needs of others. And here's something very concrete for them. Zenos and Apollos coming through. They can take care of their needs. 
and that will keep our brothers and sisters, the Cretan believers, from being unproductive in their faith. It's not enough just to say, I believe in God. You need to put it into action. You need to show it through your behavior, through your actions and attitude. And there's something about a heart that is generous, that is giving, that helps us not be selfish, that gets us off of a nearsighted focus on things that are very unproductive, very empty, very unhelpful for growing faith, growing our faith and that of others. And so this is something very practical that Paul puts at the end of the letter, but it's it really fits in line with the things that he said previously throughout the letter, and especially here in chapter 3. So I'm not going to go line by line through all of what Paul says here in Titus 3, but I want to make a comment on a basic distinction, actually maybe two contrasts that I see here, but they're really the same thing. They just are come there. He draws the contrast from two different areas. Paul really is focusing on, on the one hand, obedience and what I would call doing good. And I put that in quote marks, doing good. But he starts off by saying, remind the believers there to submit to the rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. And then he puts that in contrast to living a life given to contention, being contentious. So that's being argumentative and divisive, being all about controversy, debate, and disobedience. This is something that Paul says they had already experienced in their previous life before they knew Christ. In verse 2, he says, they should slander no one. They should avoid quarreling or being contentious. Instead, be gentle. Show real humility toward all. For we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, pursuing malice and envy, hated and hating one another. That was the life that we live in the flesh, that we live under the sinful nature. And in this way, it really echoes some of the things that you may have read in other of Paul's letters whether it was Romans 1 and 2 and 3, or whether you remember Colossians 1 or Colossians 3, where he goes into those sort of things, the catalog of past evils, or Galatians 5, which before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he talks about the deeds of the flesh and the sort of unproductive and, in fact, evil things that we get ourselves caught in or that we ourselves took part in, were part of, in our life before Christ. So the basic contrast is obedience and doing good on the one hand, and then contention, controversy, disobedience, arguments on the other. And Paul reminds Titus what you need to focus on and what you need to work at keeping the people there on Crete focused on with all of your might is to stand strong and be firm in the faith. And to recall that, to bring it back to mind, he goes into this very beautiful, but it's a somewhat long and complicated passage where in verses 4 through 8, he actually talks about what God has done. God has shown kindness and revealed his love for mankind. And it's not based on our good deeds, our righteous works, that has is part of our salvation or has any part in fact in our salvation 
but it is all of what God has done by his mercy. He has saved us. And this is an interesting expression that he gives here. He has saved us through the washing of the Holy Spirit in giving us rebirth, renewing us, which brings back Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, about being renewed. And this is what God is doing in us even today and what he has done when we first became believers. Being justified by the grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who is also the source of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. We are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is all a faithful saying Paul says, to really underscore it. And this is the sort of thing that Paul wants Titus to focus on, to camp out on, is what God has done for us. God has shown us, by example, how to be loving and kind and sacrificial and not hanging on to our rights and our privileges, not seeking our own pleasure, not taking joy and delight in winning arguments, because that can give you a momentary joy when you can say the, the, the words that it wins the fight and crushes the other side. But it's empty in the end. It's an empty victory because that's not the way God acts toward us. God could overwhelm us, compel us with unwavering logic and with an argument and with truth. He has all truth on his side. God could do that, but he didn't. He let the example of Jesus Christ, his son, sacrificial death for us on our behalf when we didn't deserve it. He lets that make the case and make the argument for him. And he lets us have the freedom, the choice, whether we will accept it, whether we will believe it and embrace it and take it into our lives to make it the center piece, the anchor, the foundation that we build our lives on, or not. And he wants us to avoid fighting and division, things that are fleshly and empty and that fail to grow faith in God. They just feed the ego. They feed the sinful nature. And so he says, avoid those kind of quarrels or divisions about genealogies or about disputes about the law. These are useless and unprofitable. I have to admit, I've done plenty of that. Arguing over points of doctrine and a particular interpretation of things in the Bible and a particular way of seeing things in life, whether it was about politics or economics or about social issues, and not being focused on the gospel, on the truth of what God has done, who God is, what that means for us, and living in a responsive way to what God is about, what God is trying to do in our lives. And Paul is trying to say what we need, really, is less arguing and more loving. And so, coming back to the end of the letter, Paul tells Titus, here's something that will help people be less about arguing and controversies that will help them not be so focused on these 
false teachers who are spreading their own particular interpretation, which is causing a lot of problems, a lot of divisions among you. He said, instead, be generous like God has been to us. Do good. Do good. You know, I think the church today, and I'm talking about in 2021, if we would focus more on doing good and doing it right around us, helping in our local community, in our neighborhood, in our own homes, focusing on doing good, being a blessing, exhibiting God's love, showing God's generosity, showing grace even when it's not deserved, and spending less time worrying, arguing, thinking about the differences, and making sure people line up with us and agree with us, then God would unleash His power. We would see more people washed, rebirthed, renewed through the Holy Spirit, full of Jesus Christ, on fire for Him in their faith, doing good in their community, having our everyday life focused on helping more people come to that knowledge, staying strong and rooted in the faith, and not engaged in unfruitful arguments or quarrels. So that's the message for us from Titus, a message about doing good. And I think that's what we need to be praying about. I want to lead us now in praying this message that God will come into our lives. Let's just do that now. God, thank you again for Paul's letter to Titus. Even without all the background, all the details that we would like to have sorted out, God, your words and the tone of your words and the spirit behind your words still comes through over 2,000 years later. It still has an impact and it speaks to us today and reminds us, God, you have done something incredible, something no other God has even thought of or attempted. You came down to earth, you walked among us, you taught us, and you showed us by your example, by your teaching, what is the right way, how to live. And for everyone who's embraced you, you have washed us with the Holy Spirit in a rebirth. You've regenerated our hearts renewed our minds and brought us to the place where we can serve you, where we can do good. And you've asked us to focus on those things, to do good here on earth, to be part of your kingdom work. And so we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your name be kept holy. Let your fame, your glory be the centerpiece of our lives. Let other people not be focused on us. Let them not hear all about our opinions, where we stand on issues, but let them experience the impact of your love flowing through us. Minister through us your mercy, your goodness, your kindness, your love for mankind, your love of people. God, help us. Help us to do concrete actions to show goodness in our daily activities. Even as Paul urged Titus to be a leader and show by example what is the right thing to do, what is the right thing to focus on. Help us, Lord, to live that out, to practice that in our communities, in our churches, and 
the realms and the spheres of influence that we have today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I know there in the middle I got a little carried away, maybe too much preaching. I don't know. I'm just trying to share from God's words things that have impacted me. And like I said from the top of this episode at the beginning, there's always room for us to grow deeper and into a fuller realization as well as a fuller practice of God's truth. And so I hope this message has encouraged you a little bit more to read, to pray over, to meditate on Paul's letter to Titus, as well as maybe showing you how we can do this with other letters in the New Testament and how we can use God's Word, all of God's Word, but especially the letters, in order to help us grow closer to God and to bring out His truth in our day-to-day lives. Thank you for being with us and for supporting this podcast. We're going to take a break before we start season five. Do join us again. Do come back and we will be able to journey a little bit further together in praying through the scriptures. This is a word of prayer. I really want God's word to have an increasing and a building amount of power and impact in our lives and through us in our communities and our families. I want us to humble ourselves and learn through prayer to call on God's strength and God's power and to to realize the truth of the gospel, not just as an intellectual exercise, but to realize it, to see it come about in reality in our lives around us, in the people, in our in our key relationships, the people that we are in frequent contact with. So if that is something that you're signed on for, come back and continue the journey with us. And if you want other resources, we've got previous seasons of First 15 that you could go back and listen to some of those episodes, share that with other people as well. We have other resources at Word of Prayer, that's with dashes, wordofprayer.com. And you can also check out our Facebook page and our Instagram page as well. Thank you again for being with us and we'll catch you in the next season, the next uh, episode that you listen to on First 15. Blessings.